0: Hey, good morning. It's great to to see each and every one of you. It, it's such a, a privilege to be able to to worship God. And man, can you can you feel His presence here today? And I believe that that God really wants to move, and that He wants to to work in our lives. And and I believe that we, if we are open to Him this morning, that that He is really going to pour into us and give us everything. That he wants to give us. Uh, For those of you who don't know who I am, my name is Caleb State, and I'm one of the student ministry pastors here at the church. Uh, I'm kind of the newbie, so I just started on staff here in October. And man, it's just been such a privilege to be able to work with the students here at Union Chapel. They are are so talented and and hungry and searching for God, and it's so much fun to see them walking in their faith and living it out uh, every single day. And so, man, I'm just really loving my job. And so I know I, I've been on staff just for a short time since October, but I've actually been uh, attending Union Chapel now for about five years. When I, uh, I came to Muncie to go to Ball State, and so when I was a freshman at Ball State, I was playing baseball there. And so my teammates and my coach, they actually uh, would come to Union Chapel. And so I'd say, hey, can you give me a ride? I, I, w- I want to come to church. And so they'd come pick me up at La Follette and drive me over. And I would, you know, I'd sit with them and, and listen. And man, I, I really began to grow in my faith. And God began to work in my life. And, and so coming to Union Chapel has been one of the best decisions that I've ever made. And so if you if you've... Uh, this is just one of your first times here at the church and you're kind of just trying it out, man, this is a this is place because I believe that God is working not only through the people here, but just through the church and everything that, that God is doing. He's writing a, a beautiful story in this church. And so I encourage you to, to get to know the people around you because they'll, they'll be some of your best friends. And so I know I've only been you know, attending now for about five years, but the first time that I ever uh, came to Union Chapel, I was about 12 or 13 years old. And so I had grown up, I always, uh, I was really into sports, loved playing sports. And so I was uh, uh, playing for a travel baseball team. And so we were, we were going around, I'm originally from Goshen, Indiana, up north. And so we were, we were playing a travel baseball game uh, down in Muncie. And so it was about the middle of April, we, we come out, man, it's, it's raining, sleeting, borderline snowing, mud, everything's muddy, and it was just a beautiful Muncie day. And I, I, it was the reason that I just loved Muncie, even, even now. So it just, the weather was awesome. And so we go, we're playing, playing these baseball games. Well, one of the, the things that my parents had always uh, told me is, hey, we are going to support your baseball, baseball career. We're going we're gonna to push you to go as far as you can. But there's one thing, you will never put baseball above God. And, and, and whatever you do, you, you go, you chase your dreams, you work hard, but God will always come first. And so what we would do is, you know, every weekend you have these travel ball tournaments. I mean, you see it in every sport these days. Uh, and, and so they, we'd play these games, but my parents said, hey, you're going to church. If there's a game at 8 a.m. on, uh, on Sunday, you're, not, you're missing the game, you're not missing church. And so I, I'd, I'd go to church, I miss game after game after game, and then just go finish playing in the afternoon. And, man, I tell you what, when, you know, that was a, a hard thing to do. You know, a lot of people would, would come up and say, you know, Kev, you're weird, why you do that? They, my parents probably got a little bit more of the brunt. But, man, I tell you, the blessing of God, when you stay faithful to God and what you're doing and, and the desires of your heart, he will give those to you. And I believe, you know, I was able to go and play ball at Ball State, but I, I, would, I could probably stand up here today and say, if I, if I didn't remain faithful to him, that I would have never made it. I would have never made it to that level because when I, when, I, when I focused on God and what he had for my life, he had greater things than what I thought. And so God is, is, is just is truly at work. And so I was playing in that, in that tournament in Muncie, and it was a Saturday night, and my dad says, hey, so we're going to go to church. And so I, I, we're going to go to church, Union Chapel. Okay, we're going to go to church. And so I wear my, my whole baseball uniform, walk into church. It's Saturday evening and listen to the sermon. And so my, uh, Pastor Greg and my dad, they kind of had, had known each other a little bit. My dad is a pastor, and, and so the, they knew each other. And so after the, after the service, my dad goes up to, to greet Pastor Greg and inter, introduce me. And so I'm I, I, meeting Pastor Greg for the first time. I look up to him because I'm, you know, I'm short. I'm, I'm 12 or something. And so I, I shake his hand, and I, I look up. And the only thing that I remember to this day about meeting Pastor Greg for the first time was, he's got a gold tooth. <laughs> I, I had never seen anything like it. It was, it was just so mesmerizing, and it just glistened in the sunlight. And so I was just, wow, that is amazing. And so Pastor Greg really has just, a, a, he can make an impression on young children. And so that's, that's the one thing that I remember about Pastor Greg the first time that I met him. I, mean, I, I alluded to the fact that my, my dad and Pastor Greg had kind of known each other for a little bit. Well, that, that goes all the way back to when my dad was in high school. And so, you know, here at 180, we take our, our students to high school. And so back when my dad was in high school, uh, we went to a camp, okay? So, so my dad goes to camp, and the speaker that week at the camp was Pastor Greg. And so Pastor Greg is is speaking at this camp and and Pastor Greg is just giving a fiery message about not, not turning away from the battles that, that God has for you and that when, when trials come up, that you, you push through because God, God's got some great things and he's gonna use you. Okay, just a, a really passionate message. It's the reason we love listening to Pastor Greg because he, he's given all these, these this passionate and just firing everybody up. And so he, he gives an invitation at the end of the, the, the service and says, you know, if you wanna not turn away from fighting uh, the battles that God has for you, um, just come forward. And so every, every, almost every single person in that room comes forward, and so they're all just just lined up right up front. And so Pastor Greg begins to, to go through, and he's just agreeing with whatever the decisions that, that they have, that have made in their life to, to not turn away and not, not be a coward and, and really fight for God. And so he's walking through and saying, I agree with you. I agree with you. I agree. He's touching everybody. Just, I agree with you. I agree with you. And then he gets to my dad, and he stops. He looks him in the eye, probably just looks him just right in the soul and says, you will be used by God. And then he kept going. I agree with you. I agree with you. I agree with you. So he stops says, you will be used by God. And my dad says the next morning, he felt the call to go into ministry. So he's in high school. He finally felt the, the call to go into ministry. Now, my dad has been a pastor now for, for longer than I've been alive. I'm 23 years old and I've only ever known my dad as a pastor and he has, has served the kingdom faithfully. And so fast, flash forward to when I was in high school, and I'm at summer camp. And so there's one thing that I always said I would never want to do, and that was be a pastor. And, you know, I'm, I'm here right now. And so I said, I'll never want to be a pastor, because I, I just thought it looked awful. I saw all the things that it just didn't look like a fun job. And so I did not want to do it. And so I'm sitting at that camp, and I'm in the service, and all of a sudden, just God called me to, to ministry. And it was one of the, the craziest thing. And I, my, my whole mindset went from, I don't want anything to do with that, to, oh my goodness, I cannot think about anything else. I just want to wanna share the gospel. I want to I wanna push people to the place that, that, that I know that they can be, that they are living in God's best for their life. And that's just been the, the passion that's within, within me. And so I, I received that, that call in the ministry as a sophomore in high school. And, and, and the guy who was, was preaching that night was my dad. And so, so Pastor Greg was preaching when my dad received the call to go into ministry. My dad was was preaching when, when I received the call to go into ministry. So that makes Pastor Greg like my, the, my grandpa in, in the call to ministry. <laughs> and so, so Pastor Greg, he, he's such a huge mentor uh, in my life and, and everything that he has done for me, it's, it's, it's truly outstanding. But man... The, the plan that God has for my life and the influence that, that Pastor Greg has had on me started way before that I was even a thought, before I was e- even, even could be wondered by people. And so I, as I stand up here today, I can't help but think that God's got a plan and that God's up to something and that God is doing something and that God wants to write the stories for you and your life. Because I believe that the stories that God has for you in your life are not just stories that, that happen while during your lifetime, but I believe that the, the God orchestrates everything so that he can write a story that goes from generation to generation to generation, and it absolutely affects every single family member. Because I believe that that, that story that I just told is probably not the end of that story. I bet there's going to be people that, that continue to go and continue to go, and I, farther than I could ever see down the line, because... I want to live faithfully, and I want to live faithfully to what God has for me. And so I believe that God has a, a story in each and every one of your life. And, I, and that as today, as, we, as we're kind of diving into what God has for us, I pray that we would begin to see how God has worked in our life and everything that he has for us. And so today we're, we're kicking off our series, Then Sings My Soul, and we're going to really be uh, discovering and diving into the truth of Scripture and, and how they are conveyed uh, through hymns. And so the hymn that I want to uh, look at today is the hymn, Come Thou Fount of Every Blessing. And so just to give a little bit of background on this hymn, this hymn was written uh, by a British Baptist hymn writer, Robert Robinson, in 1757. And so that's just a few years before Glenn Greiner started here at Union Chapel, all right? So Robinson, he, he had a rough life growing up. He was, when he was 18 years old, his, his dad died, and he really turned to, to alcohol and gambling. He became angry and bitter uh, in everything that, that he was doing. And so he really started walking away from God. And so one day he's walking away from God, and then he finally realizes, man, this is not so cool. <laughs> I, don't, I don't like where I'm at. And so he decides to go to a service. Okay. And so he goes to a service. He must have been in a really desperate place. And so he he goes in the church service and, and the preacher that is there that day is a man named George Whitfield. Now, George Whitfield is one of the great preachers of his day, great uh, revivalist. And so he's, he's preaching. and, And during that sermon, Robert Robinson decides to give his life to the Lord, not only give his life to the Lord, but he begins to be a pastor and a hymn writer. And he just starts charging ahead and he starts running the race. And so one of the greatest hymns that he wrote was this hymn, Come Thou Fount of Every Blessing. And, and this hymn it really begins to talk about the overflowing love of God and, and the blessing that, go, that comes to those who abide with him and surrender to him and to the story that God has for their life. And so I want to just go ahead and, and read through this hymn to, so we could see the truth. I don't want to sing this hymn because I'm not a very good singer. Uh, so we'll have the words on the screen and, and we'll dive into it. Come thou fount of every blessing, tune my heart to sing thy grace. Streams of mercy never ceasing, call for songs of loudest praise. Teach me some melodious sonnet, sung by flaming tongues above. Praise the mount, I'm fixed upon it, mount of thy redeeming love. Here I raise mine Ebenezer, here thereby thy great help I've come. And I hope by thy good pleasure, safely too, arrive at home. Jesus sought me when a stranger, wandering from the fold of God. He, to rescue me from danger, interposed his precious blood. Oh, to grace, how great a debtor, daily I am constrained to be. Let thy goodness like a fetter by my wandering heart to thee. Prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. Here's my heart, oh, take and seal it. Seal it for thy courts above. God, I pray that as we dive into your truth, I pray that your truth would get into our hearts. God, I want to pray for each and every one of these people in here, those who are looking for healing, I pray that they would be healed. Those who need peace, I pray that, they, that you would give them peace. God, I pray that we would be expectant of your, of your movement, expectant of your spirit to mold us, to change us into the people that you want. And I pray that we would, would run the race that you have planned for us. We love you so much. In Jesus' name, amen. And so you can, after just reading uh, through that hymn, you can already see that there, there's a real power. And are, are real stuff that we, we can pull out of this. And so how do we receive the, the blessing and the fount of blessing that God has for our life? And so if we just jump into the first verse, and the second line it says, tune my heart to sing that grace. And so point one, to fully receive the blessing of God, we have to be in tune with him. And so let's, let's really just focus on the word in tune. It, it, the one thing that we can imply from the word in tune is that if something needs to be tuned, it's out of tune. And so when he's saying, tune my heart to sing thy grace, we know that our hearts are naturally out of tune with God. And and so sin is the thing from the very beginning in Genesis, sin is what took us out of tune with God. And so we have to understand that, what's the sin in my life that's making me out of tune? Sometimes people put us out of tune with God. If you put put bad people, out of tune people around you, you are going to be out of tune. And sometimes just life in general and, and every different circumstance is going to put you out of tune. The natural state of our hearts is to be out of tune with God. It's, it's the sad reality. No matter, no matter how hard we're going to, to, to try to to try do good and be right, it, it's never going to reach the, the full tune of God. It, it's, it's just a sad thing. And so what we got to realize so we can understand that our hearts are just naturally going to be out of tune with God. Every single person is in the same boat. But the, the other thing that we can imply from tuning an, an instrument is that it's like an action. And so we have uh, the band that comes up and they'll grab their guitars and they'll, they'll tune it. If you don't tune the guitar, it's going to stay the way that it is. And you have to exert the, the action of tuning to make, it, to make it sound good. And so when we're saying tune my heart, we have to put the action uh, of tuning our heart. So let me just uh, put this into a little bit of perspective, how we can tune our hearts. So I've been married for almost two years, coming to the end of July. And I know that's, uh I've been married for almost two years, and so that's not a long time to most people, uh, but I'm beginning to, to learn a little bit about marriage. And, and the biggest struggle for me, I'll just be honest, is uh, staying in tune with my wife, and so what, what happens is I go through these, these days where, you know, me and Rachel, we're feeling, feeling real good, we're, we're together, we're in tune. And then there's a, a few days where life's hard. <laughs> life, life gets tough. And then there's a few days when it, and when it gets better. And so we, I start going through this, this ins and outs of in tune, out of tune, in tune, out of tune. And so... I, it's not really fun to be out of tune with your spouse. And so, what, you know, the, being the great husband that I am, I decided, okay, you know, if I'm out of tune with my wife, I got to fix that because guys got to fix everything. And so I, I say, okay, I'm going to go um, get my wife some flowers. I'm going to stop at Payless on the way home. I'm going to get some flowers and she's going to just love it. And so I, I go on and bring the flowers. Or maybe other days I decide, hey, I'm going to, to take her on a date. You know, just surprise her, hey, honey, we're going to go out uh, to dinner. Maybe I'm going to go clean the house. Whatever it is, it, you think, okay, those are things that are going to help us be in tune. And so you think, oh, if I do this, I should be good for at least three days. <laughs> like, I'll be, you know, if I do this action, I'm set for a few times we're going to be in tune, and then three days later I can try something else, and then we're just going to live through this life of, uh, of, of I'm just going to stay in tune because of what I do. But The sad reality that I, I figure out is I, I do these nice things. That doesn't necessarily mean that we're in tune because, you know, hours later, you could still feel out of tune. It's not about what you're, you're doing uh, for your spouse that makes you in tune. The way that you stay in tune and the way that I'm figuring out is it, it becomes with total being with your wife or with your spouse. And so what that means, it's not a 24-7 presence, like you're not, you don't have to be joined at the hip and do every single thing together. What that means is every single thought and every single action that I have, I'm thinking about her. And at every move in my life, I'm saying, okay, if I do this, how is that going to affect my wife? How is that going to uh, affect my spouse? And so you start to begin to think about her and every single thing that, that I'm doing. The crazy thing that happens is we begin to be in tune in every single thing, and then it doesn't even matter that I bring flowers. Uh, That's not the thing that makes me in tune. The thing that, that makes us in tune is how I think and how my actions will affect her. And so it's the same thing with God. If we want our hearts to be in tune with God in everything that we do, we have to have absolute being with him. I think for so many people, we come to church on Sunday, and I think, oh, I'm just gonna get fired up. Music, music's great, you know, I can really feel the presence of God in this place. And so I, I get fired up at church, and then I go, go through the, the week, and then I get to Thursday or Friday, and I'm just on a steady decline. And I just think, okay, it's, it's Friday, but at least I know Sunday's coming. And so then I get back to, to church on Sunday, I get fired back up, and then I'm just on a steady decline. And it's that, that being in tune, out of tune, in tune, out of tune. Or maybe you're, you've done your, your time alone with God and you're thinking about him and you're praying about him in the morning, but then you go the rest of the day and you're not really thinking about him and your life really is not reflecting him and the decisions that you're making aren't, aren't with him in mind. And then you lay down at the, uh, on your bed at the end of the day and you think, man, God, I don't even think I, I thought about you at all. That's, that's a struggle for me. And so if I wanna tune my heart with God, I have to have total being with him. And so every thought, every action is made with God in mind. Where it's almost that my mind and God's mind, we're we're working together because we, we're so uh, we spend so much time together that we know what each other is thinking. You know you have that friend that you that you're, you're like that with, you wanna be that with God, where you're, you're moving and making decisions based off him, and then you're not saying, hey God, you just gotta lead me, I have no idea what to do. You've just been with God so much, you know exactly what he'd tell you to do, because you just had such a good relationship with him. And so that's what that's what God desires. He wants us to be in tune, that's, that's what he loves, and that's what what I love about walking with him. And so we have to tune our hearts, and that requires an action. And so if you walk out of here today and think, okay, Uh, I'm going to be in tune with God. It's not going to happen, because you can't just wish to be in tune. I can't wish that guitar to be in tune, and so I have to take action, and maybe my life has to change a little bit. Maybe the things that are pushing me out of tune with God, I need to get rid of those things, or maybe I need to do different things that help me to remind me of God. I know for me, it's struggling to do my time alone with God, and then thinking about him throughout the day. It's not that I don't love God. It's just life sometimes I get so focused on what's going on in front of me. And so what I do is I set an alarm on my phone, tune my heart. And so every hour I had to get a reminder to think about God. And so that way I'm training my mind to think about him. And so I, I begin to walk that way. And so my, my heart is, is, is getting to total being with God. And it is the life that God has for you. And he wants you to experience that in, in every single thing. So we got to tune our hearts to God. The second, uh, so we go through the, this hymn, and then we get to the second verse, and it begins with, Here I raise mine Ebenezer. And so I know that doesn't make any sense. And the first thing I think about is Ebenezer Scrooge. And so I, I, I want to give a little bit of perspective. And so to jump to figure it out, let's jump into the scripture. We're going to be in 1 Samuel chapter 7, starting in verse 7. So as our, our custom is at Union Chapel to stand uh, as we read scripture, uh, and the words will be on the screen as you can follow along. 1 Samuel chapter 7, starting in verse 7. When the Philistines heard that Israel had assembled at Mizpah, the rulers of the Philistines came up to attack them. When the Israelites heard of it, they were afraid because of the Philistines. They said to Samuel, do not stop crying out to the Lord our God for us, that he may rescue us from the hand of the Philistines. Then Samuel took a suckling lamb and sacrificed it as a whole burnt offering to the Lord. He cried out to the Lord on Israel's behalf, and the Lord answered him. While Samuel was sacrificing the burnt offering, the Philistines drew near to engage Israel in battle. But that day the Lord thundered with a loud thunder against the Philistines and threw them into such a panic that they were routed before the Israelites. The men of Israel rushed out to Mizpah and pursued the Philistines, slaughtering them along the way to a point below Bethkar. Then Samuel took a stone and set it up between Mizpah and Shen. He named it Ebenezer, saying, Thus far the Lord has helped us. You may be seated. So to fully receive in the blessing of God, we have to remember how God has helped us. Because as followers of Jesus Christ, we are at our absolute best when we are fully aware of aware of who our God is and how he is at work in our life. And because when we remember what God has done in our life, we, can, we live with so much more thankfulness. So I just want you to think back to like one, a, a trial in your life, something that you went through that you'd say, man, you know, I'm glad I went through that, but I never want to do that again. And so you, you face the trial, maybe it's a bad week, maybe a, a broken relationship, but you get to the end and that relationship is, is better or that week is done. And then you're about two days after that trial. Think about your perspective in that moment. You're thinking, wow, I, I can remember what I was just through. And so anything that comes up, all these little things in life that really try to throw me off or get me out of tune with God, it doesn't really matter. Because I know what I just came, came through and I know what God has just done to help me in my life. It, it's, a, it's an awesome thing. Right after those trials, man, it's such, such a time of good blessing. But then what happens is we'll go a couple weeks out or a month later or a year later. And then all of a sudden we kind of begin to lose perspective of the trial that we were just in. And so then we begin to get angry or bitter or we, we get mad more easy and relationships begin to get broken again. And because as we get away from God, the natural state of our hearts is to forget what God has done in our life. And so that's what Samuel's doing in this passage. He says, hey, look, the whole Philistine army was, was, was just destroyed. And um, for me, I'm thinking, man, if I saw God destroy a whole army in front of me, I'd remember that forever. <laughs> but throughout the whole scripture, we can look, and it's just a pattern of God doing amazing things and then us forgetting. And so I, it's not just people in the Bible that are doing that. That's just the condition of our human hearts. It's we are going to forget what God has done in our life. And so we got to remember what God has done. And so that's why, why Samuel takes a stone. And so he takes a stone he sets it up. So every time I go past that stone, I look at the stone. And, and instead of just looking at a stone and saying, well, that's a nice rock, it points us back to God and says, hey, remember what God has done in our life. And so if we want to be people that can maintain that perspective and, and understand what God has done in our life, we have to set up our own Ebenezer's in our life. I remember uh, back when I was about 10 years old, I was playing in a Little League baseball game, you know, very meaningless Little League baseball game. And so I, I'm catching in the game, and, and, and I'm growing, I'm young, and I think I was just going through some, some growing pains, but my knees began to hurt so bad just from catching. I was doing a lot of catching, and I, I'm, it's hot, I'm tired. I'm just sick of it. I'm ready to be done. <laughs> and so I walk, at the end of the inning, I go into the dugout. I just sit down. And I, I'm sitting there and, you know, borderline tears because I, I, life is just so hard when you're 10. And, and so my, my coach, he, I say, I can't do it. And I'm like crying. I, I'm doing my best. And so I, my coach gets down and he goes, Caleb. Caleb. Can you give me one more at bat? Like very intense, like it's a little late game. But he's like, can you give me one more at bat? <laughs> no, I can't do it. My knees hurt. Caleb, can you just give me one more at bat? You're the first guy up okay, I can, and so I just kind of go out there, and I was really chubby back then, so I just go out there, and and I just stand up there, and I'm thinking, I'm striking out because my life's so hard, I can't do this, (laughs) and so I just, I, I stand up there, I'm getting ready to hit, pitch comes in, I hit it, and I hit it really good, it felt so good, and it just starts flying, and it's going, and it just goes over the fence and keeps flying, and instantly, I was healed, from my knees. And so I, I, start running around the, I start running around the bases. Dude, I was flying. I got home. Dude, my whole demeanor changed. I finished the game. It was, it was absolutely amazing. My knees didn't hurt any time after that. <laughs> Isn't it crazy what a home run can do when you're 10? Uh, and so we, what we did, my dad grabbed that home run ball and we took it, took it home. We rode on it. It was one of my first home runs that I ever hit. And we put it on my dresser. And my, my dad wrote the word perseverance on it. And so I had this perseverance home run ball that sits on, sits on my dresser. And so throughout middle school and high school, every morning I'd get up, I'd see that perseverance ball, and I would remember what God had done in my life because God was teaching me a lesson when I was 10 years old that whenever there's a trial, you've you got to persevere through it because the blessing might just be on the other side. And if we can just be people who persevere through that, God, God's got good stuff in store for us. And so I, I I learned my lesson in perseverance when I was ten years old, and and I don't have to keep learning about perseverance in my life because I know what it means to persevere. But man, if I don't think if I set up that baseball and I looked at it every single morning, I would have forgot what God had done in my life. I mean, it's a little league game. Nobody really remembers many of their little league games, and so. uh, God did that and I learned what it meant to persevere instead of, luckily I don't have to go every three months with God trying to teach me how to persevere. Because God's going to teach you something and you're just going to have to keep relearning it if you don't remember what God has done in our life. And so we, we can be so much better and we can live with so much thankfulness if we remember. So there's a few things. We set up these Ebenezer's, and so there's a very good thing, and they reflect us back to God, but there's a, f- a few things we need to, to remember when we do this. The first thing is we don't want to worship the Ebenezer. We want to worship the God of the story and what he's been doing. So these are, are just objects, okay? These can be places, things, buildings, road signs, People, books, journals, whatever whatever it takes for you to remember what God has done in your life, that's what you need to do to set up. And so we have these objects that are out there and what they're doing is they're reflecting us, reflecting God and what he's done and allowing us to remember. But what happens is people begin to just be, to look at the object and see what it is and they, it, they begin to just look at the object and not remember what God has done in our life. I heard a, a story about a church, a very fruitful church and they were growing and so they, they, they wanted to try to stay modern, and, and they wanted to redo their sanctuary. Their sanctuary had red carpet, red pews, everything was red. It was just, uh, everything was red. It was really ugly. And so I, they, they were going in, they decided, okay, we are going to redo the sanctuary. And so they redo it, make it look really modern, and it, and it just looks so nice. But what happened is, is people began to get really upset that they were redoing the sanctuary, so, so upset that they left the church. And you're thinking, w- it's a sanctuary. The church didn't, didn't move. The people are the same. We're just trying to stay updated on, on our facilities because we want to continue to be fruitful and reaching more generations. But the, the, the people got so upset. And here's why I think they got upset. is because they remember being in that sanctuary and they remember the wedding that they had. Or they remember the funeral that they had to sit through. Or they remember how God had touched their life and poured out love for them. Or how they, how they got out of the addiction that had consumed them for most of their life. All these different things that happened in the sanctuary because God moves. God moves when his people get together. And so these things had happened in that room. And what, what these, these people probably looked whenever they saw the red carpet and they were in that room, they remembered what God had done in their life. But then all of a sudden, the room was changed. And what they, what they kind of thought was, oh no, this has changed. My whole, my whole life has changed. But the reality is the, the, the Ebenezer changed, not the, the God of the story. He didn't change. And so when we're setting up Ebenezer's, we got to really be uh, cognizant not to worship the object. Because here's the thing about stuff is it all gets destroyed. It won't last forever. Whatever Ebenezer that you're going to set up to remember what God's done in your life, it, it could get destroyed. That home run ball could be gone. Somebody could steal it. But listen, if, if, the, if the Ebenezer is destroyed, it doesn't mean God is. We just gotta find something else to remember who he is because we wanna worship God, not stuff. And so that's one thing that we gotta remember. The other thing is it's so important to remember what God has done in our life, but we must not think that God is done in our life. One day I was uh, meeting with a mentor and I, and I, was, I was really growing. this was about last year, and, and God was really working in my, li- in my life. And so I, be, I was in Farmland, Indiana. And so that's how you know you're in Indiana because there's a town called Farmland. And so I'm, I'm driving home from Farmland. And instead of just going straight straight home, I decide, you know, God's really working. And I just like taking a drive through the country and, and just praying. Now, many many of us probably do that. And so I'm driving through the country, taking the long way home. I actually have no idea where I'm driving. I uh, will figure I'll drive until I want to be done. And then I'll GPS my way back home. And so I just drive through the country. And... Uh, all of a sudden I just feel God just saying, you know, let's just, just stop at a church. And so I decided, okay, if I'm driving through the country and the next church that I see, I'm just going to stop and, and I'll just pray and be there and for the rest of the afternoon. And so I'm driving and all of a sudden I hit the town DeSoto, Indiana. Never heard of it, didn't know it existed. It's a very small town. I know many of you probably live there, uh, but I'm not hating on it. I actually love DeSoto, but it's, it's in the middle of nowhere. And so I'm just driving through DeSoto, and all of a sudden I see a church. So I pull over in the church. It's a great time. I'm praying with God. He's really working in me, and then I go home. Well, I decide, well, that place is kind of out in the middle of nowhere. It's very peaceful out in the country. Summer day. I'm going to go back out there because I, I just love spending time with God and getting to know him. So I go back out to this place, and I'm, I'm praying, God, I pray that you just give me more of your love in my life. More of your love. And so as I'm just sitting there in silence and, and just hanging out with God, he begins to, I begin to get memories of, of, of God and uh, of my dad, actually. Memories of my dad and how he had loved me in, in my life. And it was so cool and touching. And then God, God goes, you know, look how much your dad has loved you. How much more do I love you? And it was just like, it just came down on me and I just lost it. I began to cry. And I'm not a crier. I'm not an emotional guy. But that, I mean, that was probably the last time I cried. But it was so crazy what God did. And, and God was really working. So I'm driving home, and I decide, you know, I'm going to call my dad and just say, hey, dad, thank you for everything that you've done in my life and the example that you have done because God has just poured out more love on my life through you being faithful as my dad. And so I I call him, and I tell him that. Really great conversation. And he goes, where were you at? I said, DeSoto, Indiana. Nobody's ever heard of it. And and he goes, I've been there. Really, you've been there? He goes, yeah, I was at a church service there, and this was, you know, Right after I was in college, right before I, uh, I met your mom. And when I was at that, that service, I felt called to go up to the altar. And at the altar, I would, I would begin to pray for, for your mom. We, we weren't dating or anything. And he goes, shortly after I prayed for your mom at the, at the altar there, we began to date, got engaged. in a year to the day that my dad went to the altar, my parents got married a year to the day. And I was just thinking, wow, that's so crazy because then here I am, had no idea where this church is, no matter, I I just had no idea. I had no idea DeSoto was even down the road. And so I I pull into that church and God begins to show me the love uh, of God through my dad and how that actually probably started way before I was even a thought, because let's be honest, I'm not even here if that moment didn't happen. <laughs> if my parents don't meet and get married, I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm history. And so I, I'm so thankful, and God brought me back to that place to, to show me more of his love and see how he's been taking care of my family for generation to generation. And so that's a sweet story. It's a sweet story to have in my life. And so what, what we're prone to do is I'm remember that story because every time I go to DeSoto, I remember what God has done in my life. But what I got to realize is that's a great story, but I don't think God is done in my life. I don't think that story is done. I think God's got something greater. I believe that the generations that follow will, will, will have another part of that story. And, and God is go, so good. And I think so many times we, we look at these Ebenezer's, that's great, but listen, we remember because we wanna see what God is going to do in the future. Our hope in, in us remembering what God's done in the past gives us the faith to step out and see what God is going to do in our lives. One of the, the greatest uh, prayers that I have is that God would give me new stories. And if you want God to give you new and great stories in your life, you can't just focus on the ones in the past. You look to them for faith and then you walk, walk forward. It, it, it's so cool. So we, we don't get stuck on the old Ebenezer's. The last thing uh, that we need to, need to do to receive in the, the blessing of God is we got to surrender. So the, the hymn says, Take my heart, Lord, take and seal it. And so God wants to, to write a story. And so many of us in here are writing a story. We got our pen out and we're just writing along. And what we need to do is we need to let go of the pen, let it go, and let God start writing our story. Because whenever we try to write, it, it turns out, eh, whatever. But when we give it to God, man, He blows our minds. It's so cool. And so I was highlighting the, the writer of this hymn, Robert Robinson, at the beginning of the, the message. Well, he, he had a tough life. He turned to God. But unfortunately, at the end of his life, he, he walked away from God. And so here's a guy that writes, prone to wander, Lord, I feel it, prone to leave the God I love. He understood the condition in his life, yet he too walked away. It, it, it's very sad. But one day he was in a, a stagecoach and he's writing, so it's him and, a, and another lady. And so the, the lady in there, she's, she doesn't know who he is, and she, she begins to sing and quote the hymn, Come Thou Fount of Every Blessing. And so you could probably just feel him in the stagecoach going, I can't believe this is happening. <laughs> like, he he knows that hymn. He wrote to him, and she's singing to him. And he, he looks at her, and he says, Ma'am, I'm the poor, unhappy man who wrote that hymn many years ago, and I would give a thousand worlds if I had them to enjoy the feelings that I had then. So he's kind of just stopping her and say listen I've heard the hymn I know the hymn you know it would be nice if I could go back then I don't like where I'm at she looks at him and she instead of just falling down she probably gets a little more bold and says sir the streams of mercy are still flowing the streams of mercy are still flowing here's Robert Robinson wrote this great hymn and and he felt like he had wandered too far But listen, here's the deal. If we surrender to God, wherever you're at, you think you're so far away, God wants to pour out more blessing on your life. You could think you're in the deepest despair. Oh, I'm the only person that couldn't receive the blessing of God. The moment you surrender, God will pour out blessing in your life. You wanna know why? Because he absolutely loves you. He's crazy about you, and he wants to give you everything. And it's not because of anything that you did, just because he loves you, just because he's a good dad. That's what God has for you. And all we gotta do is surrender to him. And so what would it look like if if as a church we began to to tune our hearts to God, to to be like his? If we we remember what God had done in the past and then we, we look forward to the future and we begin to surrender. Man, we will receive the blessing of God in our life. And I believe that your life will blow up and then when we're all together, this church would take off. God's got something so great in store for you, and he wants to pour out the fountain blessing in your life. Let's pray. God, I just want to thank you so much for today. God, I want to thank you for just pouring out love. I pray that your love would fill this place. I pray that your presence would would continue to touch us and speak to us long after this this service is done. God, I pray for those who who want to tune their heart to you. I pray that you would give them uh, an action so that they can they, they can move towards you. I pray that if there's things that they need to get out of their life, that, it, that they would get rid of it. And if there's things that they need to do to tune their heart, I pray that they would do it. God, I wanna pray that, that we would be a people who remember the faithfulness that you've you've shown us. And I pray that we would set up Ebenezer's in our life uh, to remember what you've done. And I pray that that would push us to walk forward in the future. And God, I wanna pray for all of us in the room. I pray that we would surrender whatever we have, that we'd be a people that daily surrender to you and let Uh, let you write the story for our life. We love you so much. In Jesus' name, amen.